What's up, everybody? Good morning. It is Thursday, May 25th, 2023. Welcome to episode number 374 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier. And over the next 45 minutes, let me pay no attention to the <laughs> behind the curtain. <clears throat> over the next 45 minutes, me, you, Jazzy Jazz, Jesse, Jamie Fleck, Alex Goodwin from the great Space of Oz, Carrie Alex Goodwin, again Alex Goodwin, James Adekudo, everybody, the whole LinkedIn crew, the Simply Cyber community, and you are going to be shredding the top cybersecurity news stories of the day, and I'll be going through each of these stories with you, giving my opinion, my analysis, I might argue my expert analysis on the topic. I have not seen these stories in advance, so you'll be getting my raw, unfiltered, hot, spicy takes. And uh, really the point here is to brief you on the top cyber threats of the day and then provide context on how uh, you might operationalize it tactically at work today, how you might implement something long-term strategically. If you're looking to break into the industry, this is gonna be a great opportunity for you to get exposed to different terms, different concepts, current events. You will be asked in a job interview, how do you stay current in cybersecurity? I guarantee you. And this is just a phenomenal answer. If you pay attention, right? <laughs> just showing up and letting it play in the background doesn't count. Uh, I heard a great interview question, uh, just, just for a fact. Uh, somebody was like, how do you stay current? And they're like, I listen to Gerald Osher's Daily Cyber Threat Brief podcast. What do you think about that? And they're like, oh, that's great. What's a recent story that you heard in the podcast? And what could have been done to avoid that incident from occurring like what kind of controls may have been used to prevent that and the person crushed it but my point is uh there is a natural follow-up question to test your um your insights and knowledge around different practices so be mindful we got a great show for you everybody but before we get into it i am super pumped to tell you about barricade cyber my good friend eric taylor over at barricade cyber squad member we got we got, uh, we got the soundboard back, y'all. I want to say what's up to Barricade Cyber Solutions. Check out that squad emote if you are a squad member. Uh, the BCS logo. They are dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. But guess what, y'all? Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done. Yes, they do by cyber incidents, not on my watch, Eric Taylor and gang says, not on my watch. You can't stop cyber incidents from happening, but you sure can limit the impact, the blast radius. So get somebody like Barricade Cyber on your side. BarricadeCyber.com, links in the description below. Calendar's right here on the stream. Go giddy up on that. If you're listening on your audio podcast app of choice, just go to Barricade Cyber, you'll see what I'm talking about. Uh, also, remind me if you can, folks, at Jaw Jack and Perry to bring up the podcast. Um, I always forget to share it with people, and it's starting to get an uptick in activity. So somebody out there is sharing it. Also, want to say holla, holla, holla to XM Cyber. Appreciate the uh, uh, the long term support. 
of XM Cyber. Organizations overwhelmed with thousands of exposures. So not just vulnerabilities, but misconfigurations, mismanaged privileges, et cetera, across cloud and on-prem environments on a monthly basis. So efficiently reducing that risk is like almost impossible. You need to manage it, right? Discover the most critical threats and practical tips on how to overcome remediation fatigue, which is like what you think you're doing when you're trying to close all the vulnerabilities, all the exposures. And in reality, you need to prioritize, manage. There's a whole strategy behind it. You can learn more with a new approach to efficiently reducing that risk with their XM Cybers 2023 State of Exposure Management Report. The link is in the description below. Just go into the description, click on the link, open it in another tab, come back to it after the show's over. You'll be happy you do. Also, much love for Brandon Poole and Panopsi, but more about them at the mid-roll. Guys, did you know that each <coughs> episode of the Daily... Uh, ooh, did you know that each... Uh, <coughs> oh my God, come on, Jerry. <coughs> Excuse me. Did you know that each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing podcast is worth half a CPE? No, I didn't, Jerry. Yes, yes, it is half a CPE. At least in ISAC and ISC Square World, you'll have to check your own certification body's policies. But I checked those. They look good. So be sure to say what's up in chat. Take a screenshot. Do whatever you got to do. Hashtag Team Replay. If you're live with us, 136 of you beautiful people, let's see if we can... Let's see if we can... Um, Break the record. The current record's 290. We did it yesterday. I went back and watched the stream. Wow. I mean, why do I say why do I say wow? I do have a cough button, Daniel Neese. Let me I should have used it. I'm just a hot mess on fire up here. Um 290, see if we can beat that today. Team live, hashtag team live, like Adrian Harris just did. Thank you, Adrian. Tuki Vang with the uh, half a CP. Love it. If you're on replay, hashtag team replay. I saw the the river of team replay comments streaming in the uh, comments section for the video yesterday when I went back and watched it last night. So much love. Team Replay. Team Replay are people too. Um, and I love uh, seeing y'all. So uh, much, much appreciated. Uh, if you're team hybrid, you got here late, you're going to speed through to catch up or you got here early, but you're going to leave early. Hashtag team hybrid. It's just like a little fun thing that we do to make it a little bit different. And then my favorite hashtag passive observer. If you're shy, if you're... Um, socially introverted. If you're new here and you're just like, what is going on? I, I don't know these people. Just say hashtag passive observer and uh, <clears throat> let us welcome you with open arms into the Simply Cyber community. It's a very supportive, inclusive community we got going on over here. So giddy up on it. Good to see you, Jim Wales. Daniel Neese, I do have a cough button. So hey, say I can use it and uh, I'll, I'll hack up offline. All right, guys, that's going to do it. No more goofing about. It's time to get into the news of the day. So I want to say, please do me a favor, Marcus Seiler. Do me a favor. Wait, white. Sit back, relax, and let the cool sounds of the hot news wash over you in an awesome wave. I'll see you guys at the mid-roll. From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. It's Thursday, May 25th, 2023. Google launches Guac. Back in October, Google announced a new open source initiative called Graph for Understanding Artifact Composition, or Guac, in an effort to strengthen the software supply chain. 
The company now announced it launched Guac version 0.1. This serves to aggregate software security metadata, mapping it to a standard vocabulary and accessible through a GraphQL interface, as well as an API to develop on and integrate into security tools. Google hopes this will help the software development community in evaluating its security posture with a more holistic view. Google worked with Kusari, Purdue University, City, and community members to develop this initial version. All right. So this is awesome, y'all. This is awesome. Okay, so it's called Guac. <clears throat> Easy enough to remember. Fun word. Here's the deal. There is a massive public-private sector partnership around open source software, around software supply chain, in order to not just secure it. What the real goal here is, is to know what is in your software, okay? So they're calling it software bill of materials. Think about when you look at a box of cereal, right? Hopefully everybody's familiar with a box of cereal. I know we have an international community, but you got a box of cereal, right? And you're like, what is in this? And on the side, they have nutrition facts and then they have ingredients. And you can look at it. You can see if it has dairy products, if you're lactose intolerant. You can see if it has meat products, if you're a vegan or vegetarian. You can see if it has peanuts, if you have a nut allergy, right? This is all something we just take for, like not take for granted, but it's assumed. That's what's in there. There's nothing else. Some businesses make businesses out of how little they put in their stuff, right? Like there's like a health bar. I think it's called like four things, bars. And it's like four ingredients. Beers. I know it's early, it's 8 a.m., but like beers, it, you know, at its basic level, right? If we talk about noble purity laws, water, yeast, hops, and barley, four things. Okay, well, when it comes to software, we have no freaking clue. We are way in these stone ages with all this. Log4j, if you don't know about Log4j, Google it after the show. Log4j literally ripped the lid off and let all of the the uh, demons out. Uh, like It looked like you know a bad early 90s CGI uh, like ghost thing where like the, it rips the lid off and the ghosts are like... Okay? Log4j was baked into everything and it was wicked easy to exploit. And people are like, holy crap. Like it, it turned into an exercise to figure out where Log4j was. Fun fact, there's like a helicopter on Mars that's still vulnerable to Log4j. So with that, the United States kind of took the lead on, okay, we, got, we really got to get our arms around it. They put a lot of money behind it. There was a big announcement like six months ago between like Amazon, Microsoft, Google, and the United States federal government with CISA uh, being heavily involved. So to, to, to secure software supply chain, this is one of those byproducts. This is an output of that, okay? So one, and I'll just, as a quick, as a quick shout out, because this is a special area of interest to me. I'm spending a couple extra minutes. Uh, Mudge, right? If you're familiar with Mudge from Loft, crack, the Loft team and Loft crack fame, okay? Mudge and his, whose, whose name is Peter Zapko, if you uh, want to know his real name, you can Google him. He's awesome. Uh, he was the Twitter CISO that like, um, like revealed a bunch of stuff. So Peter Zapko and his wife, Sarah, they actually started an initiative like five years ago, six years ago, called the Cybersecurity. Um, it's CITL. I forget what the IT is, but the L was lab. And it was supposed to be an independent, objective 
analysis of technologies and it would give like a score for its security. Now that project, as far as I know, has been abandoned. And I think it's because anytime they moved in one direction to say like Chrome is more secure than Firefox or, you know, <clears throat> this, this program is more secure than this program. The vendors who said they were less secure probably um, threatened lawsuits and stuff against them. I, I don't know that for a fact, but it just, they were going gangbusters and then they just stopped. And I have to imagine that's why. Fast forward to today. This is going to be using um, automation, orchestration, integration. This is a way to do it. Okay, so Guac is going to be cool. Right now, it probably doesn't have massive adoption, but it will have massive adoption as we begin to introduce standards for vendors to require themselves to include software bill of materials. So when you get, so when you get a, when you download a Google Chrome, you can look at it and say, okay, is this or is this not secure in a way that does this have vulnerable libraries? And you got to remember the final thing I'll say about this with software supply chain, you got to remember like, say, let's use Google Chrome, right? Google Chrome is built using all of this uh, original code and then importing these libraries, okay? Like four libraries, one, two, three, four. Okay, those four libraries you have to drill into because let's say the first of the four libraries, that's got original code. And then that is adopting these three libraries or these five libraries. You see what I'm saying? There's a trickle down. And the further down the path you get, the dimmer the light is on what you can see. And this has always been the problem with software supply chain. It's easy to see one level deeper. It's simple. It's when you go five, six levels deeper because software developers, frankly, love reusing existing code. Like there's memes about it. So I think this is going to have uh, great adoption. I think Guac is going to be the catalyst. I don't think in its final form it'll be called Guac, but I think Guac is going to be the initial um, launch of what becomes the modern way that we look at software bill of materials and how we evaluate software products when we decide whether or not to purchase them. One final thing on this, I know I'm spending a ton of time on this. This is going to require developers additional labor because they're going to have to document what is inside their software and what libraries they're uh, borrowing from, or they're going to have to come up with some script that does it automatically, but that'll have to occur pre-compilation, um, right? You, but like if you're going to compile the code, you can't decompile it and understand what libraries were pulled from it because compilers do all sorts of optimization and stuff like that. So um, you'll have to do it pre-compiled, right? Which introduces a, a bit of uh, additional overhead. Okay. Who, who knew, who knew that I could go so long on software supply chain? Hmm. Barracuda gateways breached by zero day. Barracuda issued a warning to customers that threat actors use the zero day vulnerability to breach some email security. What's up professor black ops. The firm discovered a flaw in its email attachment scanning module on May 19th. It issued patches over the following two days, and the company said it contacted breach customers directly about the issue. The breaches only impacted ESG appliances and did not impact corporate networks of customers or Barracuda's other services. Cyber. What a minute. Hold on. Okay, so. All right. I mean, this is an interesting story, but there's nothing to do here, okay? Barracuda, security product company. Their email gateway was breached by a zero-day flaw. If you don't know what a zero-day flaw is and you're like, that sounds cool, but 
What is it? You should know what it is. It's a common term in our industry. It simply means a vulnerability that has no patch. It has, it's been zero days since you've been able to fix it, right? Zero days are basically like, this is a bit of an overstatement and a simplification, but like zero day uh, vulnerabilities um, you can exploit with 100% success rate. Now, that's not, that is an oversimplification because you have to have an exploit that fires correctly. Just because you have a vulnerability doesn't mean it's been exploited. There's a, there's a lot to unpack there, but, but my point is that's why they call it zero day because you have zero days to prepare for it. Okay. Barracuda got breached. It says they've already contacted. By the way, this is awesome. It's May 25th right now when I'm recording. This says on May 19th, the vulnerability was discovered and it was addressed with patches on the 20 and 21st. And they've already notified all customers. So if you haven't been notified and you run Barracuda, then you're not impacted. I want to give a... Uh, do I have a, like a sound effect that would be appropriate for this? Um, uh, I don't know. I, I guess like... Way to go, Barracuda. That's as close as I can do. Dude, this is... In, in the Pantheon... Of course, it's a security company, so they should be fast. But in the pantheon of like vendor response and vendor handling a situation, this right here might be one of the best I've seen short of like front page news, like everything's melting down, like Facebook is or Microsoft is like off the internet or something like, like that kind of thing. But from a product vendor getting discovering a vulnerability and fixing it and notifying customers this turnaround time dude they found it on friday and by saturday and sunday they'd already applied the two patches to fix it that means first of all that means they take security seriously it's not just a um a, a, um, a throwaway statement in the opening paragraph of their letter to their customers about breach data second of all can i just can i just please give a i wish i had like a round of applause or like a, a a yeet or something here just that's the best i can do you know a couple engineers right a couple engineers worked all weekend they worked all friday night they worked all saturday and they probably worked all sunday to get this resolved this this doesn't happen over the weekend without people busting their butt to get it done okay and with all due respect i'm sure the executives were just looking at their phone for update emails about progress. They were not, they didn't order pizzas and work overnight. The engineers did. So way to go to those unsung heroes because they definitely busted their butt. Uh, and this is a great look for Barracuda. Personally, I've never used Barracuda products, but like personally, based on this response, um, I respect them. I don't know if their product's good or not, but I certainly respect the company. All right, way to go Barracuda. Attack focuses on Kenya's Chinese debt. An investigation by Reuters using several sources, its own technical analysis, and cybersecurity research reports no. found that Chinese Jazzy Jazz, if there's began a patch, targeting organizations it's not in a zero Kenya day. since at least 2019. Several sources say these attacks attempted to gain debt information Kenya owed to China. The attacks targeted eight ministries and government departments, including the president's office. The Chinese embassy denied the attacks, while Kenya's presidential office said it sees frequent infiltration attempts from Chinese, American, and European actors. Okay. So as I say on the regular, this is not a political show. Okay. I'm not, I'm not, um, you know, I got hot takes and spicy cuts, but I, I try to stay apolitical as best I can. Um, 
couple things here. One, China has the capability to hack into pretty much any government, all right? United States does too. So this isn't a editorial on Chinese um, cyber ops. Second of all, I, I'm curious, like if you stand up a honeypot, okay, which I've, which I've done, which I, I want to do on stream, if I, if I did this full time, you know what I would do? I would, I would, right after this stream, I would do another stream where I stood up a honeypot, showed you how to do it. But you get, you get peppered by China. You get peppered by Pakistan. You get peppered by United States, right? So I just want to point out when Kenya is saying like, we frequently see incoming attacks um, from the United States and China and stuff like that. Yes, we all do. Okay. Now that doesn't mean that Kenya is not being targeted by China. So I just, I just want to be clear that I'm not saying the two are mutually exclusive. I'm just pointing out that if you stand up a honeypot, you're going to get, you're going to get slapped around pretty quickly from all over the world, right? The internet is an incredibly hostile environment. I know we buy, um, you know, fruit baskets and next day Amazon and we, and we do live streams like this, but you know, we're in our cute little cuddly bubble. The internet is wicked hostile. All right. So let's just push that aside. Now, China hacking Kenya, it does make sense right now. If China's already all up in Kenya's business, then I don't know why they would need to hack them to get this information. But one thing I do want to bring to attention on why this is realistic or potential <clears throat> and I haven't done an extensive amount of uh, investigation in this, but I have been keeping that. This is like one of those like weird hobby things that I keep an eye on um, because I find it fascinating. You may or may not know that China has been lending massive amounts of money to sub-Saharan African countries and building massive amounts of infrastructure down there. Ethiopia, Kenya... Um, what, what other countries, um, let me, hold on, let me, like China, sub-Saharan, uh, debt infrastructure. I mean, hold on, <laughs> see if we can get a picture. Oh wait, that's, that's gonna be a boring document. Uh, let's see if we can get a picture. Oh, here's like an infographic. Oh, like, okay. A annual Chinese loans to the Chinese government. Um, this is from 2000 to 2016. You could see they're at, on average like $20 billion a year, $30 billion in 16. It's definitely ramped up significantly since then. Um, and you, and you, hold on. Here's a graphic. Can we look at this one? Oh, that's too old. Yeah, look at this. Again, this isn't a political show. This is a borderline, not even a cyber story, but it's, it's wildly interesting, okay? Mozambique. Look at more than 75%. Mozambique's government debt is more than 75%. And it, this is to other things, but mo a lot of it is to China. Now, you might be like, why is China lending all sorts of money out there? Um, some, some experts, some economists, some Harvard students uh, actually believe it's a, it's a play to uh, basically build <laughs> political and economical influence and power because they owe them a, a lot of money, right? Oh, Jesse Johnson, if you can link that NPR story, I would love to listen to it. If I lend you a lot of money and then you, you're in debt to me, right? It's, it's, it's kind of like very white collar political 
um, like, uh, you know, maybe one day you'll do me a favor and that day may never come kind of thing, right? So if they own all that, they can push Chinese interests, they can have Chinese, you know, ideologies uh, recognized and, and basically, you know, maybe even get them on the yen, right? And, and start pushing a new world order, okay? So this is a very long play. And, oh, by the way, like, if, they, if these countries default on their debt, China will just take back the infrastructure. Now, so now China owns like all the airports in sub-Sahara Africa, for example, right? That's a pretty important asset to own. Um, so anyways, just it, this is something that's been quietly going on for years, and it's not really ever talked about much. Um, so the stories about China hacking Kenyan government, probably to figure out where they can, uh, what levers they can pull from a debt strain perspective. But there's a bigger macro level story going on that goes beyond uh, cybersecurity. So just something fun to check out. Uh, if someone, uh, Jesse, again, I'll try to remember, but it's a good one. Intel proposes new microarchitecture. The x86 architecture offers a lot of benefits. One of the major ones is back compatibility with an almost inexhaustible amount of software. But keeping legacy support on these chips often opens them up to security vulnerabilities. With that in mind, Intel released a white paper outlining a new microarchitecture for its chips called x86s. It eliminates 16-bit and 32-bit legacy support. Currently, x86 supports 16-bit, 32-bit, and 64-bit operations. While 32-bit software remains common, Intel points to virtualization filling the gap with legacy support. A microarchitecture without legacy support definitely narrows the attack surface on these chips, but it also leaves room on the die for other features, things like improving power efficiency, speeding up boot times. Keep in mind, this comes from a white paper, so an actual product seems to be a long way off. And all right, a couple things. One, just um, just for for all those people who are young, I mean, are, who are old like me. Oh my God, can I? Where is it? Oh, if you could see on the top right there, <laughs> snake, snake. All right, guys. So Intel's proposing this x86 architecture. It's just a white paper, so this isn't coming anytime soon. But what this is basically doing is, um, so if you are, a, you know, if you believe or subscribe to the concept of evolution, which I do, um, fun t tidbits uh, Thursday element, if you subscribe to evolution, there were vestigial elements that you no longer need that you used to, okay? Um, tonsils, appendix, um, you know, other, other vestigial type things, right? You, we don't, we no longer require them body hair, okay? The x86 architecture, if you've ever seen like run PowerShell uh, or, or you know, C colon um, program files, 86, C colon program files, right? We have been supporting for the longest time the backwards compatibility support for 32-bit uh, software in 64-bit architectures. And it was always... It basically, when you run a 32-bit and 64-bit architecture, it basically just ignores the additional upper 32 bits, right? It's just like, oh, these don't exist. Okay, I didn't even know 16-bit was supported. That's going way back. That's going back, back, okay? So what what is the problem? Well, here's the thing. If you have all this support for backwards compatibility, it introduces overhead, it introduces burden, it introduces bloat. And you cannot have optimized processes. You cannot have um, 
you know, faster performance. You can't have all this crap because you've you're you're lugging around this technical debt effectively of of uh, like being able to support it. It's like when you pack for like a weekend trip and you really should just pack lean and be like whatever. But you're like, I don't know. I really like these slippers. I'll probably want to wear these around. So you pack them. And then you don't wear them the whole time. And when you're unpacking, when you get back, you're like, why did I bring these slippers, right? The slippers are the 16-bit legacy support, right? Like you're just carrying the extra weight. They're getting in the way. You don't need them. And and, and like like ideally, you're like, okay, like enough. We're, we're just going to be lean. That's x86s, okay? So I do appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> Michael Fink with a... Uh, 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 I love it with the uh, the pop culture uh, reference. If x86s cannot run Doom, then it's it's bound to fail. Absolutely, one hundred percent. So, anyways, I love this idea. Like they said in the story, this is years and years off. In fact, okay, real quick, tinfoil hat and chat. Let me know how you feel about this one. Um, x86s is a cool concept, but I would argue, and I'm far from um, smart on this. I would argue that quantum computing architecture is like right around the corner and that you like x86s isn't going to support quantum computing architecture quantum computing architecture <laughs> thanks james mcquicken what did we just become best friends yep love it james thanks so much guys uh james mcquicken in chat with the super chat uh james and i will be actually speaking together at wild west hacking fest ask me about that at jawjack and if you want some more information so anyways quantum computing architecture is a base three architecture while all modern computing systems are base two or boolean as you're familiar with so a quantum computing architecture might actually come before this um in a mainstream way but i guess a lot of old software is still going to need to be supported uh, so we'll see. Let's do the mid-roll. Now a word from our sponsor, Sunri Security. Did you know that 81% of breaches are due to compromised identities? It's a sobering statistic and one that enterprise organizations cannot afford to ignore. Sunri Security has made a name for itself by securing enterprise clouds from the inside out, securing every identity, access, and permission in the cloud. Download Sunry Security's new CIEM Buyer's Guide to learn more about fortifying your cloud from the inside out at sunrysecurity.com. That's S-O-N-R-A-I security.com. All right, y'all. It's mid-roll, which means only one thing. All right, guys. I want to thank you all for being here this morning. It is Thursday. You guys have been coming correct all week, and I appreciate that. We said uh, thank you to the stream sponsors, Barricade and XM Cyber. And I mentioned Panopsi. We're going to do a little read <clears throat> for them. But while I'm talking, if you could do me a hot favor, hit the like button for a second if you're watching on YouTube or LinkedIn. The like button doesn't make me feel good or bad. What it does is it's a lever that you can pull in order to help other people find the Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Brief podcast. By clicking the like button and, and basically pushing it up, YouTube sees it as a signal that people like you who normally watch cybersecurity content, because let's be honest, we do have other interests, but we do watch a lot of cyber content. It says, oh, people who like cyber content like this live stream. I should go tell other people who like cyber content who are looking around YouTube right now about this stream. That is how people find us, okay? Many of you found this podcast randomly 
but it wasn't random. It was because the day before, or at that time, people were hitting that like button. So pay it forward. Hit that like button. Thank you so much. Guys, I want to uh, thank Panopsi Security. They've signed on as an evergreen sponsor, which is super cool. Um, that's a term I just made up. But, <laughs> but Barricade Cyber and Panopsi are both evergreen sponsors, meaning they have pledged to continue to support the podcast as long as I continue to do it. So I genuinely appreciate that. It definitely um, makes it makes me able to do the projects and deliver on the initiatives that I want to do in order to help. James McQuiggan with the gifted subs. Giddy up on those people. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. All right. Farami, Nico, Nick Dow, grab up those squats. Moon, you, hey, Sly Cooper. Thanks, James McQuiggan. Go ahead and make sure you grab up those um, squat emotes. You're a hacker now. I love it. All right, guys. Panopsi Security delivers quantified risk assessments to their clients, which is basically a very involved, deep dive, fact-based assessment process that looks at your people, your process, and your technology. It delivers a fact-based, statistically sound assessment to be able to have those um, meaningful, deliberate conversations with the business, the CEO, the CFO, to say, hey, I don't know what your risk appetite is, but we have a 73% chance of being ransomware next year. Is that something that you're comfortable with? And here's three options, right? For $0, we can just maintain 73%. For $0, we can reduce it by 8% if you give me time and people to do this project. Or if you give me $40,000 and time and people, I can bring it down to 10% of risk, okay? A quantified risk assessment is an incredible hammer. It's like Thor's hammer, but in like the uh, in the uh, final so uh, movie where like he he jumps up and like the lightning bolts hit it, and then he comes down and smashes all those. That's a quantified risk assessment, okay? A qualified risk assessment is kind of just like Thor punching things. Like it's super effective, but the hammer with the lightning bolts way more effective. Call Brandon at Panopsite.com. Uh, link in the description below. Guys, I want to tell you about the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Alexis Julian, I hope she's in chat right now. Alexis Julian holds the baton currently and she dropped uh, a knowledge bomb, shared her story. Great, inspiring story from her school days in high school and following STEM to her schooling, to her internship, to securing a sock job. Uh, and just continuing to crush it. Alexis, you you are really uh, inspiring. I hope you guys went to LinkedIn and read her story. Uh, if she can, please tag somebody in chat and go uh, post your cyber story on LinkedIn. Use the hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge and go connect with those individuals. I myself connected with a couple people in the comments of Alexis's post because I didn't know them. Oh, no problem, Tom Bishop. I'm sure it's quite challenging moving over there. All right, guys. On Thursday, I just want you guys to know on Thursdays, it's What's Your Meme Thursday. And What's Your Meme Thursday is basically Dan Reardon, a.k.a. the Haircut Fish, uh, develops a custom meme every Thursday, unique for us only here in the ch- on the channel. And uh, I don't get to approve it or deny it. I do get to see it, but I always let it roll right through because I'm not going to censor him, Okay. Um, You guys know that on the channel, I have been doing a massive amount of AI barred ChatGPT videos lately. And um, hold on one second. Oh my God. 
Oh my God. All right. So uh, anyways, long story short, uh, Dan said this is the reason why uh, I have been pro AI videos because the secret's out, everybody. The secret is out. I am, <laughs> I am a Terminator. Thank you so much, uh, Dan Reardon, for your uh, meme of the week. This is hilarious. I absolutely love it. Um, let's do this really quickly. All right. Um, if you can, we're gonna we're gonna move on to this. Um, I think. Just give me one second. I know this is slightly unprofessional, but um, just give me one second, okay? Hold on one second. I, I think there's a HVAC person here to put Freon into the buffer Osier flow bungalow. Give me, give me one second, guys. Please talk amongst yourselves, please. Hey, sorry about that. The, the HVAC people are here. I'll tell you at jaw jack in time. Um, again, apologies to the stream. I know it's um, that was super unprofessional, but it is what it is. Google opens Android app bug bounty. The search giant is no stranger to bug bounties. Since 2010, it's offered one for its web apps, and last year it opened one specifically for its open source security initiatives. This week, it launched a bug bounty for its first-party Android apps called the Mobile Vulnerability Rewards Program. This includes apps from Google, Fitbit, Nest, Waymo, and Waze. Rewards range from $750 up to $30,000 for a remote code execution bug that requires no user interaction. I have no mouth, and I must captcha. Okay, hold on one second. First of all, uh, I want to tell you guys, this is awesome. So you can do um, you can do bug bounties, right? But, but don't sleep... A lot of bug bounties are like web applications, but guys, there's a ton of opportunity across a ton of different um, surfaces that you can dig into. And now Google's launching this Android application bug bounty. If you are remotely interested in OffSec, if you're remotely interested in, I don't want to say making a name for yourself, but if you have a CBE, if you have a bug bounty on your resume, it is massively valuable, okay? Joe Hell, H-E-L-L-E, uh, over at TCM has gave a talk at Wild West Hack and Fest on how to easily find CVEs. Um, <laughs> I think the name of his talk was like F around and find out or something like that. It, it was a good talk. I was front row because I'm that guy. I always sit in the front row, um, but it's a great talk. CVEs are huge. Google launching this bug bounty program. Yeah, it would be great to get some um, straight cash, homie, obviously. But to me, the value is really getting this um, CVE. One thing I want to tell you is I love responsible disclosure programs. I love bug bounty programs. Uh, Nicole Pelross' book, This Is How They Tell Me the World End, actually gets into kind of the complicated CD underbelly of bug bounties and nation states buying them instead of um, hackers selling them to... Um, bug bounty platforms and stuff like that. Fascinating read. I, I can't uh, encourage it enough. I recommend it probably once a week. Um, one thing I do want to share, um, that's right. Cause if you're watching this and you're thinking, um, Oh, Jerry, I can't do bug bounty. It's too hard. Um, it's like, it's not for me. It's for other people. This is Nahama Sek. Many of you know him because he's awesome. Okay. He's got like I don't know, hundreds of thousands, 80, just, he's got 88,000 subs. I feel like this guy uh, needs more subs, but I'm not subbed. 
Wow. Okay. So plus one sub for uh, Nahamas. Like, I don't know how I wasn't subbed. I get his content all the time. Anyways, this video right here, finding your first bug, it's awesome because he basically says a lot of people watch videos on like how to do bug bounty or how to pen test or how to hack. And they never take the next step and find a bug. They get intimidated. They get thwarted. This video is awesome. I'm actually going to watch it. I started watching it already. I watched like the first five minutes and got excited, but I was, um, <laughs> I was indisposed and I was like, I'm not going to do this right here. Like I need to be at my computer and taking notes. So check out Nahamasek's video. If you're not subscribed to him, definitely subscribe to this guy. He is, he is, um, he's, he's very focused on offensive security, red teaming bug bounties, but he's a really, really cool guy. And his videos are really high quality content. Like he's, he, he knows what he's talking about and he communicates in an effective way. All right. Way to go. Uh, Google with your bug bounties. Like many services, Discord uses CAPTCHA challenges to verify humans logging onto its service. The company used the service HCAPTCHA from Intuition Machines for verification. Users report these challenges sometimes ask users to identify objects that... Hold on one second. Jo Jose Alvarado is asking if we can share the link. Jose and everybody who's watching on LinkedIn right now, you're more than welcome to watch on LinkedIn. Obviously, that's why I push it to LinkedIn. But I would encourage you, I would suggest... Go, like type in youtube.com simply cyber or i think it's youtube.com slash at simply cyber or type in gerald osier simply cyber whatever C come over to the youtube stream there's a lot more um going on okay his name is nahama sec n-a-h-a-m-a -A -A, uh sec right naham sec naham sec i think his first name's ben i'm not sure i always call him naham, naham sec um, I think his first name's Ben. I might be wrong, but anyways, yeah, check it out. Nahamsek. All right. Don't exist. One example asked a user to select a Yoko presenting a grid of clearly AI generated objects. Other challenges asked for real objects, but presented a slew of artificially generated images that didn't allow for verification. Age capture said that some of the highlighted challenges were part of a small test. The company uses these CAPTCHAs to help train machine learning systems and generative adversarial networks. I hate CAPTCHAs. Okay, I get why they're there. Um, I, I personally, I guess in the in the pantheon, that's the word of the day, I guess pantheon. In the pantheon of CAPTCHAs, I do like the one where you grab the puzzle piece and you have to slide it. I do not like the one where it asks you to pick the buses out of the grid of nine, because like if there's like a part of a bus in one of the cells, like, is that in or is that out? Sometimes the pictures are fuzzy and you're like, I don't know if that's a bus or a, or a truck or, or building. What are we doing here? Super frustrating experience. Um, I also jokingly think like, come on guys, it's 2023. ChatGPT can write like a, a novel. Midjourney can make award-winning art. You don't think that AI can solve a CAPTCHA? For real. You don't think this guy right here is going to be able to solve a CAPTCHA? Come at me, bro. So I think uh, the whole CAPTCHA thing is busted. And when you're doing stuff like this, where you're asking it to click a Yoko and it's got AI generated images, you're just further pushing end users into hating um, the security control. Guys, we're already fighting an uphill battle with our security controls, introducing friction to end users. When you do crap like this, Carl... Carl will find a way around this. Carl's not going to want to do this every time, right? So let's let's be better. Okay, everybody. Also, quick shout out to Vice. 
I mean, they filed for bankruptcy, but I do really, <laughs> I do really like Vice. TikTok makes progress on Project Texas. This project marks TikTok's attempt to ease U.S. concerns about it sharing user data with China. This would see U.S. user data stored domestically and overseen by the TikTok U.S. Data Security Committee. In an update on this project, TikTok CEO Xu Zi Chu announced that Oracle began reviewing TikTok's source code. Chu also said TikTok is on track to have all U.S. user data hosted in the U.S. Oracle data centers are now the default destination for U.S. user data going forward. Eventually, the company will migrate existing U.S. data to there from its Singapore-based servers. All right, couple things here. One, Samantha S. says a family feud buzzer. Um, I love that idea. I, I, I probably, uh, who knows, we'll probably get sued or something, but like um, survey says, like I'll, I'll, I'll uh, Samantha, I'll investigate that. We'll see if we can't find a, uh, a way to work that in. Thank you for the uh, suggestion. Okay, guys, <clears throat> TikTok uh, update. So TikTok's trying to migrate all their infrastructure, not all their infrastructure. TikTok's trying to migrate their US-based consumer base supporting infrastructure into the United States. Okay. So basically TikTok's trying to set up a TikTok America, basically in order to compete or, or, or fight kind of the uh, legislative um, butt whooping that it's getting around uh, abusing user data and sucking up user data. Two things. One, I said this when it happened when they announced it. First of all, Oracle, cash, Oracle must've played a hell of a round of game of golf um, on the, on the links in the foursome with like the TikTok CEO and some, you know, account rep or something like that for Oracle to score this deal. A lot of people don't know Oracle is a cloud service provider. We talk about AWS. We talk about Azure. We kind of talk about Google compute kind of right. It, it, like <laughs> it's almost like Google compute. Okay. They're, they're getting somewhere, but Oracle and IBM are there and they have enough money to kind of keep their boat afloat. This was a huge win for Oracle. And like I said, I think Oracle definitely did some type of glad handing or, you know, this is like wildly speculative. So this is not based on any fact whatsoever. I just want to, I want to preface this statement by saying that, but I will share it. I almost wonder if Oracle was like, Hey, TikTok, like we'll be not bulletproof hosting, but we'll be really lenient with like you know, like auditing you and doing all these other things if you want to, if you want to sign with us, right? It's kind of like a sweetheart deal uh, in order to get that score, which would definitely be in TikTok's interest. Final thing I'll say on this, and this is more around privacy than it is around anything else. Guys, if TikTok really is sucking up all of the United States users' information and pushing mind-numbing content, like entertainment content to keep people from getting smarter and, you know, kind of push this idiocracy, um, you know, agenda. If their servers are in the United States, that's not going to change anything. Like, like you, like, I, I don't understand why, why people are under this impression that like, oh, if the, if the servers, if the content's not coming from Asia, then we're okay. If it's coming from you know, wherever Kentucky, we're okay. It's like, what are you talking about? Like the backend infrastructure, it's in the cloud. It doesn't matter, bro. Like it doesn't matter if it's coming from Kentucky or, you know, Beijing, who gives a crap? Like it's still the same content. It's still, they're still pulling the same data. They're still getting telemetry. What, like, what are you, you are like, you are so dumb. You are really dumb.
Like, I, okay. And then, and then finally, finally, they talked about reviewing source code for TikTok. First of all, are you going to take that source code and compile it and prove that it is TikTok? Because with all due respect, it's not ridiculous to assume that like, oh, hey, like here's a version of our source code that doesn't have the key logging. It doesn't have the data sucking. It doesn't have all the nefarious things that we're doing, which by the way, I wholeheartedly admit TikTok it hasn't it hasn't been proven that they're doing that at all my point is the fact that the reason they're reviewing the source code is is because there is this speculation this concern that there is this nefarious behavior going on so do you think tiktok is going to hand over the source code with the nefarious stuff what no right so you know i've got dubious concerns about that as well being an effective control in my opinion these controls are window dressing this isn't, this doesn't address what the real concern is. Okay, whatever. Alyssa Knight's in the house. Is that what's going on? Hey, Alyssa, what's up? Good to see you. We'll give Alyssa a little wow. Microsoft Surface cameras stop working. The Verge confirmed user reports spotted on Reddit and Microsoft support forums that Microsoft Surface Pro X tablet suddenly cannot open camera apps. Attempting to do so results in a media capture failed event and reinstalling drivers doesn't fix it. Users report rolling back the date to May 22nd resolves the issue. This indicates an expired security certificate causing it. Since changing the date can cause issues with websites and services, particularly with authentication, this should only serve as a temporary fix. No word yet from Microsoft on the issue. All right, so this is a bad look from Microsoft. Um, the TLDR here is if you're running a Surface Pro X model, you already you already know what the impact is. Um, Microsoft can fix this. It's going to be a pain point. Um, it, it says the camera can't turn on. So you can still have um, meetings and just not turn the camera on, right? Like, it, it, like it, this it will not impact business. Now, if you're a content creator, right? Like Alyssa Knight. If you're Alyssa Knight, and I know she, she runs red cameras, but like imagine Alyssa Knight ran on a Surface Pro X and she's not able to capture video. That is a major problem. And in reality, she would probably just go buy a new computer and, and get back on board. But you know, this, this is impactful for some users. Microsoft is a big enough juggernaut. They're gonna be able to fix it. Um, but one thing I do wanna point out, and this is really, really uh, interesting. A really, and this is for everybody, okay? So you either know what I'm talking about and you can do hashtag preach in, in the channel uh, in chat, excuse me, because you felt this burn or you're new here and you don't realize this. This is one of those things that you read about when you're studying information security, but it doesn't really resonate until you experience it, okay? There is a thing called PKI, right? Public key infrastructure. There's a thing called asymmetric encryption, okay? We use certificates. Most people are familiar with certificates either when you secure, like when you log in to a secure shell Linux box and you use a certificate to validate your identity or you're connecting to a website and the connection is encrypted, okay? That's a certificate. Now, here's the thing. A lot of times, part of the PKI infrastructure, which I know is the I is infrastructure, but just bear with me. Part of PKI is that, and, and this is like a great part, the protocol or the standard that they wrote allows for revocation of the certificate. So I have a certificate and it's private and it gets compromised. Jamie Fleck steals my certificate. And now um, 
Jamie is able to send emails as me, is able to authenticate digital sign, all this crap, right? So that's a major issue. So I need to revoke that certificate and issue a new one. And the standard allows for that, which is wicked awesome. Part of the standard has an expiration date. That way you don't have infinitely long certificates. The problem is most people like the Ronco rotisserie turkey cooker, set it and forget it. Okay, they, 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 they set the certificate to have an expiration date literally of like 2035, right? And they're like, oh, that'll be fine. No one's ever got like, I'll be long gone by that time or we won't even be on this system by that time. Here's the problem. People run legacy tech directly into the ground and they keep running it. It's like the, like the horse is dead and you're still sitting on the saddle. Hold on. The horse is dead, right? And you're still sitting on the saddle, like whipping, whipping the, 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 <laughs> the skeleton. You're like, let's go horse. And, and, and the reason is because the business doesn't want to invest in new tech or they don't want to put in the, the time, energy, and effort to do a system upgrade, right? Because they don't see the value in the system upgrade. Hold on. I'm already able to do whatever business operation I need to do. You're going to take me, you're going to cost me 50 grand, take resources off current projects and waste three months of time in order to replace this piece of technology, which is going to deliver the same business operation capability we already have, denied, right? Because the business doesn't understand, and this is where GRC becomes an art form of actually communicating why they need to do that and everything like that, but I digress. My point to get back to PKI is that you set the certificate to expire at some point in the future, and then everybody forgets about it because they move on to the next thing. And then this happens. This right here is an actual real impact from not managing PKI correctly, and it happens all the time. Sometimes you see websites go down or you see websites get the pop-ups and stuff like that. Um, So just be mindful of that. PKI, it's super easy to do, right? Oh, look, I got my certificate, good to go. But if you don't manage it properly, like which almost nobody does, you can have serious impacts. And this one is a pretty big impact for the customer base of Microsoft. Thus concludes my TED talk on PKI. Where's my little, we don't get to use the Snake Eyes emote very often, but this right here, Snake Eyes emote for squad members, the more you know. (laughs) Who knew they were gonna get a PKI lecture this morning? Security professionals talk a lot about the reputational damage from breaches. And it seems all right. So that looks like that's our s- stories for today. Doo, doo, doo. I want to thank you all for being here. Alyssa Knight, thank you for being here. I know it's early on the West Coast. Guys, really quickly, I want to share a couple things with you before you boogie out of here. If you were here just for the news later today at 2 p.m. Eastern time, I'm doing a live webinar with ACI Learning. Sophie Goodwin's going to be sitting next to me and um, I'm going to drop a link in chat. Okay. Basically, I I believe um, that there is a boom in our industry, the cybersecurity industry, around GRC roles. What, Jerry? GRC, so lame. Well, guess what? I'm making GRC not cool, but at least socially acceptable. All right, <laughs> I'm making, I'm bringing GRC to the party and and being like, uh, this is cool. Okay, you know the '80s movie where the nerd um, like makes some deal with like the cool girl and then you know she like cleans them up and like puts a leather jacket on him and then there's like a a moment of social acceptance and then somehow that that whole thing gets broken like that that uh, trope from the 80s grc is the nerd I'm, I'm bringing grc to the party okay grc is cool i'm going to be giving a talk on why there is an explosion and it, it will be a coming explosion even more in the information security space around grc roles 
and I'll defend it with three um, pieces of evidence, and I'll explain those evidences, and we'll take live Q&A from chat. If you are a, a, a member of the Simply Cyber community, it would mean a lot to me to have your support there in chat. If you can make it, I genuinely appreciate it. Um, I really like the ACI learning people, and I just want to have a good time. So if you do get there, uh, hashtag Simply Cyber in the comments. Maybe maybe we'll do like an unofficial Simply Cyber raid at 2 p.m. I'll drop a link one more time in chat. Now, if you can't make it to the 2 p.m., that's totally cool. I want everybody to know that at 4.30 p.m. today, I'm doing my live uh, Simply Cyber. I think I'm going to start branding this Simply Cyber Conversations um, or something like that. But Simply Cyber Live, Gary Ruddle, CTI analyst, YouTube content creator, holds the OSCP. And this dude is... You want to talk about a guy who's hardcore? He got the OSCP and he's not even a pen tester. He just like wanted it to be able to do threat intelligence better. So, I mean, this dude is um, intense, okay? He's British, so, you know, bring your uh, tea and crumpets or whatever to make him feel welcome. Uh, I don't even know if that's politically incorrect. I apologize, Gary, <laughs> as I look at your photo. Um, so it'll be a good time. Uh, I do have a meeting from 4 to 4.30 today as well. So I will be coming in ultra hot into the stream. I've already told Gary that. So uh, so just be mindful of that. Okay, guys. Uh, if you were here just for the news, thank you for uh, attending. I hope you got value from the briefing. I hope you're set up for success today. Um, I hope you did some good networking. Did Alexis Julian tag anybody for the Simply Cyber Community Challenge? Please let me know in chat if you would. Um. Oh, cool. Thank you, Jenny Housley. By the way, guys, round of applause for Jenny Housley. Jenny's been helping with the Simply Cyber Community Challenge consistently since we launched the program. And uh, I, I almost had to deprecate the Simply Cyber Community Challenge uh, initiative because I, I, I don't, I can't ma manage it myself. And Jenny stepped in and uh, took it on. So she's been crushing it. Thank you so much, Jenny. Uh, Alexis, again, thanks for your uh, uh, post on the challenge. Michael Huskin, I look forward to connecting with you on the Simply Cyber Community Challenge and all those who comment on Michael's post. All right, guys, if you want to do a little jaw jack, and I got a couple minutes to do it. Um, HVAC guy came in and uh, pumped some Freon into the uh, Buffer Osier Flow uh, bungalow studio presented by Red Bull. Um so, like, we're we're up and running there. Actually, we've got a long week. Hey, Alyssa Knight. Look at this. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. All right. Alyssa Knight with the super chat. Thanks so much, Alyssa. I genuinely appreciate the support. Um, we actually have a long weekend here in the United States. Um, we are going to be, uh, me and Mrs. Ozier are actually going to be breaking down part of the studio, moving in some large pieces into the um, into the studio, the, the buffer Ozier flow. Um, in order to kind of see like what looks right. Uh, she's actually got like a really cool idea for like a built for built-ins, right? So um, my wife is incredibly talented when it comes to like woodworking and, and, and construction and stuff like that. So, um, and she's got really great eye for um, like like style. So anyways, it's the, 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 the studio is getting like a proper treatment. So stay tuned for that. All right. Um, I had a comment i was gonna mention oh yeah 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 yeah. guys i i almost always forget to tell people this but if you didn't know is that Alyssa knight with another super chat Alyssa knight with the super chats what did we just become
become best friends. Yep. Thank you, Alyssa. Alyssa's coming into chat right now like a wrecking ball. <laughs> Thank you so much, Alyssa. I, I appreciate it. I missed something you were saying about Google Compute. Something wrong with it? No, no, no. Google Compute is fine. It's just like it's like a distant third behind Azure and AWS, and it it, it, it lacks some capabilities. Um, will there be a replay of the ACI learning interview? That's a great question, Regine. I don't know if Kathy Chambers is in chat. Um, that's a good question. I'm not sure. You could ha you could hang meat in the cyber shed. Yes, John Bruno. I was told. I was told by the HVAC people that the size of the studio and the HVAC unit that we installed, um, if I want, if if cybersecurity doesn't work out for me, I can um, I can go into meat processing apparently. <laughs> so um, I actually so there's no show on Monday because of the holiday, and I believe Gary asks the question. I do believe I might do a um, I I might do the show on Tuesday from the shed. Uh, on my remote studio setup. So I'm building a mobile studio as well. I actually bought some new hardware yesterday for it. Holy jeez, man. Who's this? Is this Jamie Fleck? Who is this? Hold on one second. James McQuiggan. James McQuiggan going toe-to-toe -to -toe with the listener. <laughs> Guys, thanks so much. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. Thanks so much for the super chat. Guys, you know what? I mean, obviously, um, the finances are great. They help support the channel. I genuinely appreciate that. But I just love the community. James McQuiggan, Alyssa Knight, so many great people. Like, it, guys, if you're new here, the, the cybersecurity community, beyond Simply Cyber, the cybersecurity community is just so awesome and supportive and inclusive. Like, the fact that, like, Gary Ruddle, I'm having this guy on um later today he's a content creator he's a great cybersecurity person Alyssa knight with a super chat what did we just become best friends yep oh thanks so much Alyssa knight and uh kimberly is requesting what did we just become best friends yep Alyssa, uh kimberly requesting the shed show uh we'll do the shed show on um on um on tuesday but guys just know and for base case if you're in chat base case and Alyssa knight people who are like extremely competent at production um i don't have uh echo i don't have absorption panels up there i don't have a rug on the floor so it will be a little echoey on monday on tuesday excuse me but uh just bear with me it'll be it'll be the first of many shows in the uh the buffer over osier flow Alyssa knight Alyssa knight Woo. what did we just become best friends yep oh geez we're cooking Alyssa knight going toe to toe uh, holy crap, 50 bucks? James, my man. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. All right. You guys are knocking it out. All right. So, um, yeah, listen at the top rope. I love it. Guys, thanks so much uh, for all the, all the love. Um, so, hey, you, you guys may not know this. Every single day and, and appreciate um, all the Simply Cyber community members who are involved in making this happen. Every single day, this podcast, I do it live, right? And then you can watch it on replay, but immediately after the show, the audio gets pulled down and it gets published onto audio podcast app of choice. So if you want to listen on Spotify, if you want to listen on Apple podcast, you can just uh, go find the Simply Cyber. Alyssa Knight dropping a 50 spot up in your face. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. Oh, forearm shiver from Alyssa Knight. Thanks so much, Alyssa. You guys are killing it. Yeah, thank you all so very much. Very, very generous of you. Very, very cool. Uh, I will tell you, uh, in a side note, 
the uh, the uh, Starbucks French roast coffee. I went a little heavy with the uh, I went a little heavy with the scoops today, and getting getting a bit of the uh, <laughs> the coffee the crank sweats up in here. Uh, so make sure you go uh, get the audio podcast app of choice, uh, definitely. Again, guys, if you're not familiar with um, Alyssa Knight, she is uh, one very important part, but one part of the, um, the 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 brain trust, the knowledge pr- trust behind Night TV. Uh, I'm a I'm a subscriber of Night TV. You can get it on most platforms right now. I think maybe only like LG TV's native app, but like all the major ones, Apple TV, uh, Amazon Fire, those things you can get. And this is uh, Night TV. They've got um, original content, um, new shows, movies, all around cyber, all around content. You can see here the pseudo package. Very nice. I hadn't even seen that. I signed up for a year myself um, with the root package. Uh, but I love what Alyssa's doing over there. I'm actually involved with a night studio production. Uh, we've been trying to, you know, get a, a production schedule score sorted out, but there'll be a late night with Jerry show on night t- studio. So if you're interested, I'll drop a, a link in chat. You can check that out. And then James McQuiggan and I, uh, will be presenting. Um, I bring, I bring this up cause, um, because uh, they're very active in chat right now, and I appreciate that. Um, so Wild West Hack and Fest. Alyssa Knight dropping. Look at this. The cute little dog with the trophy. Thanks, Alyssa. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. Wild West Hack and Fest is just a phenomenal conference. Uh, one of my favorites. I'm already, I'm already booked for it. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be speaking, and I'll be speaking with James McQuiggan. And it's going to be an awesome talk. It's all about how to network, how to how to like get mentors. It's really focused on career development and really driving into that. And we're going to do a lot of Q&A. It's basically going to be like a live stream except live live. James McQuiggan with the gifted subs. New squad members, giddy up on that. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. You guys are the best. If I had a link to... um. If I had a link to the, um, is this a dark mode button? Oh, yes. D- Wild West Hackenfest. You you answered my prayers. Barricade Cyber with the spooky. Oh! oh my God. Hold on. Can we do a, um, can we do a uh, Indiana Jones Last Crusade? Crusade face melt. <laughs> can we? Is there a GIF for this? This is how I feel right now. <laughs> like, just the subs coming in, it's like, ah! Ah, Joel Belton! Oh, Joel Belton with the super chat. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. Thank you so much, Joel Belton, for the super chat. Steve Fink, guys, love it, love it, love it. Barricade Cyber dropping 100 super chats. Holy jeez, we're going to get new emote squad members, so holler at you for that one. Oh, I got the red from Sanford and Sun. Oh, it's the big one. It's the big one. Oh, James McQuiggan letting me know that it's my turn in chess. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. Guys, if you want to experience painful humiliation on a chessboard... I, re- I recommend you challenge James McQuiggan to chess. I've been playing him on chess ever since we both found out. Um, so, Dash, you have to 
uh, could someone in chat please tell Dash how to uh, accept the squad membership? It's something like you have to click on the button at the top and accept the squad membership or enable the um, the access to it. Um, yeah, James McQuiggan and I, we met at Def uh, Black Hat last year for the first time, became fast friends, played our first game of chess. I beat him because he got a little... He got a little uh, too excited, a little over his ski tips, and I beat him. And he has taken it personal ever since, and he just throttles me in every game of chess we play. I almost had him last time, and then I made, like, the dumbest mistake. But, uh, love it. So, guys, great show today. Uh, great community. I genuinely appreciate all the super chats from Melissa, James, Joel, Kimberly, and all of the squad members. Um, Barricade Cyber dropping 100 squad memberships. Guys, we're, I think we're up to like 700 members, 750 members, which is massive. Uh, genuinely appreciate that. Um, you know, I, I can't say enough, guys. It's very, very humbling to be able to, um, I'm, I guess, let me put it plainly. I feel like I'm a leader who serves. I, I love be having the opportunity and the uh, challenge to serve our community and to consistently show up and deliver value to you and hope. I got to tell you guys, I see people in chat all the time. There was a guy from Alaska um, who posted that he was going to take his uh, sec plus, And then he came back and said he passed it. So even when we're asynchronously working together, uh, we're able to celebrate those wins. If you got a job recently, if you got an interview, congratulations. I, I'm so, so happy for all of you. And um, Samantha, chess.com. Yeah. We're going to have to figure out some emotes, team. Okay, we've got massive amounts of emotes up in here. Um, I love it. Sis P passed earlier. Wait. Thank you, Peter Lee. Yeah, we need to celebrate all these wins, guys. Um, I also want to share with you, since we're doing jaw jacking like a boss right now. Um, have a great, have a great one, Alyssa Knight. Thank you all so very much, Alyssa. Be good. I hope you're well. All the best to Mel. So, um, guys, just so you know, I'm going to be running a limited. Um, a limited run series. I'm going to start this model called Simply Cyber. Um, oh my God. I think Simply Cyber uh, Originals. Okay. So there's a couple projects I'm working on that are going to be limited runs. So the Daily Cyber Threat Brief podcast, I do every day and I'm going to do it for every day until I drop dead. But limited run series. So starting um, pretty soon, Virginia Case and I are going to be running an eight-episode podcast called Marketing Your Cyber Self, and it's going to be hyper-focused each episode, but the overall thread that runs through the entire eight-episode series, eight series is how you can max out how you are perceived by industry, by employers, like improving how you engage with them, improving your resume, improving look, feel, certain words, certain behaviors. Like we're going to teach you how to market the crap out of yourself in a way that is hyper effective. And I can't wait. So that's going to be coming out uh, pretty soon. Uh, look for the marketing material. Um, obviously, um, this talk later today, I'm super excited to be doing. So stay tuned for that. And then um, no show on Monday and uh, reporting live from the Cyber Studio uh, original episode on Tuesday. All right. 
you guys have been wonderful. Thank you all again so very, very much for the, the gifted subs, for the super chats. Um, it really does go a long way in helping me um, achieve my goals, which is to do to help this community as much as I possibly can. Um, so thank you, thank you, thank you. Thanks to the mods too, guys. Really quickly, the mods, Joel, Kimberly, BSEC, Eric Taylor, Justin Gold, the the the, the youngin, Justin Gold, the wee one, Justin Gold, um, Stefan, Waldvogel. Yeah, just, just base case. Really, really appreciate the whole mod team. This has been a great day. Um, a great opportunity to recognize recognize the people who make Simply Cyber happen. I'm I'm the face of it, but there's there's a lot of people involved in making it a success uh, for all of you and for myself. So thank you to all all of you. All right, y'all. That's gonna do it for today's stream. I'm gonna play the outro. <laughs> yeah, Mrs. Ozier off screen, jotting down the bills. Yeah, exactly. We've been doing it together. It's been a good thing. She, she laid the floor. She, she's amazing. She's an amazing woman. I'm very fortunate. You guys have no idea how fortunate I am uh, that I, my wife is awesome. All right, guys, let me, let me out here. Be good. I'm Jerry, your Simply Cyber community. Love you all so much. We'll see you tomorrow at 8 a.m. if it's just the news, but I hope to see you at 2 p.m for the um the webinar i'm going to be doing and then really uh bringing the heat at 4 30 with gary ruddle on the live stream be good everybody we'll see you later today